0: Hey everyone, and welcome to Already Cancelled. I'm Peter. That is Connor, and we are going to talk about Star Trek: The Next Generation, Season Two, Episode Sixteen. It's called Q Who. So, full spoilers for the episode, as always. Uh, so, yes, we are going to talk about Q Who, and it's um, Q's back. Obviously, I mean that title kind of gives that away. But yep. uh, this is a very big episode, and not just because not just because we know that The Borg are going to become a big deal. I, I, I think what was clear when I was watching this is that even this episode, it feels like they are a big deal already. It doesn't feel like, oh, this is only because of their reputation from later when the you know the big episodes come later. This already feels like, no, we know we have something special. We're teasing them out properly and yeah. we're building to it properly.
1: You you get the impression that when this aired originally and you watch this, it still felt like this is something.
0: Even the start of the episode, there was something just more confident about the way it was constructed. There was something more confident, not only in the opening scenes with uh, with Picard and that, but even, uh, in fact, something that I was expecting to happen right away, because the first thing we'll, we'll talk about is that uh, we introduced this new character, this new ensign that's on board, uh, Sonia Gomez, I'm just glancing at her name here, um, and you know she spends some time with jordy and she's kind of nervous she's just joined the ship and she's kind of you know always talking and he kind of like acknowledges she's always talking but he's he's not being a dick he's like, like he's not acting annoyed or anything like that he's yeah. like yeah it's okay right you're excited you're nervous whatever and we spend some time getting to know him we have a funny little beat where she drops her hot chocolate on on picard and, you know, makes all, all sorts of promises about doing our best and working to the standard of the ship and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, so it's this awkward moment and Jordy kind of smiles and goes, well, he's not going to forget that First Depression. <laughs> For better or worse, that one's going to stick in his mind. That's um, true. And all I could think during this whole whole scene, and admittedly, if you were watching this airing originally in 1987 or whatever, right, this wouldn't be the, the case because you wouldn't know what the episode was going to have. I, I I knew Borg were coming and I know what Borg are because of reputation. Yep. right uh, and I've also seen First Contact so I've, I've I've even seen some Borg in action but the entire time I was watching this I was like we're getting to know this character because she's been, she's not literally in red but this is a red shirt and she's going to be Borgified I was expecting I am shocked that by the end of this episode the Borg didn't nab her and turn her into one of them an assimilator I suppose is the word I should use uh, possibly yet but i did look up she's only in one more episode than this is the next one and i'm not expecting the borg to be in the next one so yeah. i don't think it's so it's kind
1: of strange that they did make such a big deal about her like you you know uh you, you know geordie said, oh yeah that was a, a memorable first first meeting and it was for you know as red shirts go which is what she felt like yeah. that was particularly memorable
0: well this is the thing she doesn't feel like a red shirt in a Star Trek sense she feels like a red shirt in a modern TV sense if that makes yes. sense whereas in modern TV we do get introduced to characters enough where you still kind of know in the back of your head okay I feel like we're just getting to know them for an episode so that we'll care a little bit when they get killed off but or or whatever the case yeah. may be um, whereas original Star Trek didn't do that original Star Trek the red shirts were just there and they just died they, they were literally cardboard props yes um, and then you have somewhere in the middle Tasha Yar uh, which is you know the evolution. Uh and I say that because she, she is ele- she not not elevated. What's what's the opposite of elevate? Demoted. I doesn't feel right. I feel like there should be a it's not as funny to say as elevate. There should be one that's equally funny to say for going down the way. She was elevated to red shirt because of how she died. She wasn't technically a red shirt but being killed with a puddle is actually worse than every other red shirt that ever died on Star Trek. And I'm standing by that statement. Anyway, so... Yeah, so that's the character character's interesting. And the introduction... So if she is just going to be red shirted, as it were, in next episode... And I think it's interesting that, once again, it's the same... Like, it's not red, it's gold she's wearing. But that is notably the colour the engineering department are wearing, which is what Scotty wore, and he was red. Yeah. And I, I think that's a... Well, Again, I'm not quite sure why engineer and security both have gold. That makes no sense to me. But um, people have said in comments in the past that all makes sense, and I still I don't I still don't get it. Why?
1: Does
0: it? I, I don't know. I I get everything else with the colors. I don't get why engineer. I don't get why the head of security and the head of engineer are both in gold. If they were if they were both in the same color, but they're the people that work for them were in different colors, I'd accept it because they're the heads of the departments, and that's what it means. But, but they're is not. Yeah, we, we see security and engineering all the time in gold, so... Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, we spent a lot of time introducing to this character. Um, given that I did kind of look ahead, I peeked ahead and saw that the actress is only in one more episode and it is the next one, Um, I feel like maybe they were just setting her up for next time? Uh, Perhaps, which in itself deserves credit for... That's...
1: Serious foresight, as as far as this show goes, you know, as far as Star Trek goes. Hey,
0: you say that, but they they referenced the finale, season one finale, of this episode. They, they brought up the outpost being attacked? And we we even speculated at the time it was the Borg. And um, you know, as as mentioned, I mean, it's just a small passing thing, but it is there.
1: No, no, it is, it is. Uh, I it just like, obviously that was a big thing in the the end of a season, whereas. Yeah, you know, just a few episodes ago, we commented how uh, Riker's dad was kind of offhandedly mentioned the episode before he showed up. Oh, sure, up. yeah. And it felt like, okay, that was a small little thing, but it felt like more connective than we typically expect from from these shows. So this to actually set up what is probably still a red shirt with an you know, an entire what? episode before is is quite uh, a considerable you know, step forward as far as this goes.
0: Assuming there's not more of a story here, like maybe she was meant to be a recurring character and for some reason they changed their minds or fired her or something. I mean, that's always possible. I mean, there may be a a story behind it and that's fair, but uh, I really felt that we're setting her up to be the, the victim by the end of the episode. And that never happened. She just kind of disappeared after the first like 10 minutes, but she'd got a decent amount of time in that first 10 minutes. Um, Which isn't actually a complaint, uh, bizarrely, because I actually enjoyed all the scenes she was in. (laughs) I wasn't sitting going, what are we doing a waste of time with this new character? Um, It wasn't until later I realized it wasn't super relevant to the episode, but I never felt in hindsight that, because if anything, I think the, the one thing it succeeds in, in the context of the episode is because she's so fun and bubbly and hopeful about everything, that it contrasts nicely with just the absolute terror of the Borg once we actually get to the the darker stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah. Because it gets
0: there. So it does achieve that, at the very least, and I think that's good. Um, This episode's fantastic. This might be the best episode of the show so far. Um, We said that twice earlier this season, uh, they have competition. Um, I think there's an argument between this and Measure of a Man. I think they're both...
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not... 100% 100% confident to say right now that this is better than that
0: I think Measure of a Man is a great episode in kind of showing what Star Trek is good at and Star Trek is good at raising moral questions and kind of debating them out uh, and even if you don't necessarily disagree with the outcome or how they get to the outcome it makes you think. It makes the characters argue for and against something, and you find yourself having good thought processes and thinking about it. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and in the case of that episode specifically, uh, some really sweet sentiments and Picard sticking up for Data and all these, mm. all these beats. Uh, I think this episode is really exciting in a context of hey, we can actually do really good plots as well. Like, I mean, yeah. that's not to say that we've had no good plots or no good episodes because we have, but this is the first episode that goes in you know, obviously the Borg are the one thing from next gen that are kind of well known right you know like original series introduced Klingons and Vulcans and Romulans and they're they're known to varying degrees uh, I'd say Romulans probably the least so out of the three but you know they're all relatively big ideas of Star Trek that are known right
1: they are but weirdly I would say it's it's next gen that defined Klingons as to what people think of them even though uh, original series introduced
0: them. Oh, that's fair. Yeah, because I mean they've got a main Klingon character, so it makes sense that it would become even more yeah. solidified. Um, so you know, it evolved things from the original series, but the Borg are the one big new sort of race that they really kind of made like a household name. And I'm not, I'm sure there's plenty of, you know, Ferengi, for example, or new next gen. And
1: yeah, well, but I, I'll be honest. I, I've probably, I think I've seen a picture of a Ferengi before I'd started this, but I couldn't have named you that.
0: Oh no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just before people in the comments say, I'm just pointing out that yes, there are other races they've invented that have lasted, but I'm just saying that the the Borg are the ones that have actually went beyond the show and that people know what the or at least heard of the Borg. They have a vague idea of the Borg. Yeah, um, no,
1: I, that's why I was saying with the, the the Ferengi there is, you know, I'm someone who is, you know, maybe I wasn't always into to trick itself, but generally speaking, you know, nerd pop culture, whatever. And I'd seen, you know, memes using Ferengi, but I couldn't have ever named you what it was. Whereas, show me a picture of Borg. Sure, I know what that is.
0: Yeah, the, the Borg just have a legacy that that's kind of living out uh, lived outside the show, um, yeah. and you know, went on as a was like a, a kind of a. a I mean, Voyager kind of does something similar to Worf as kind of a Borg esque character. Um, I don't think it's, just, it's not as clear cut as she's just the Borg, but you know, there's a Borg-esque character on the, on the main cast. It's, it's and so playing on.
1: with that sort of, same sort of trope here.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, but obviously before we even get to the Borg, we, we get to Q cause we, you know, we the Borg don't come until maybe halfway through. We get Q who appears, uh, you know, Picard's going to change his, uh, hot chocolate stained outfit and he goes into the turbo left he wants to go to his quarters and instead of spitting him out of his quarters it spits him out in a shuttle which isn't even attached to the ship <laughs> so, you know it's curious and he's yeah it's not even remotely nearby yeah, yeah he's you know he's he's we never actually know how far away he is but miles, thousands of miles. so who knows o-
1: outside of the scanning
0: range yeah doesn't matter um but q there and it's him using his powers again, and I'm sure, I'm sure we probably uh, compared him to Mixapetlike uh, back earlier in season one. If
1: we didn't, we missed a beat there.
0: No, I think, I think we definitely did. and I remember doing it. Um, but what I thought was notable here, just going back to that comparison, if you don't know who Mixapetlike is, if you're not like a DC Comics or Superman fan, um, he's this uh, fifth dimensional, uh, and the word I'm going to use here as the reason why I'm bringing it up is because in this episode, uh the word imp is thrown around uh, and that is what Mixie is. Mixie is referred to as an imp. Uh, yes. So uh, that really stuck out to me to the point where I'm actually convinced the writers know exactly. Like, I, I feel like the people on the writing staff in this know they've got a mix of, pit of like adjacent you know character. What?
1: I think we did have this conversation before because I think we said that the, the exact same thing whenever he popped up one of the other times of they know because there was some sort of not quite exactly on the nose reference, but enough that it was like, "Yeah, okay,
0: it's too coincidental." Sure, yeah, I, I think feel I like think we had that before. I think this solidified it, and you know, we have Q trying to convince Picard that he wants to join the crew, uh, and you know, again, they remember continuity because Picard says, "Hey." You know, last time, you know, we beat you and you promised you would never interfere with the ship again. And he's like, well, we're not on the ship. We're on a shuttle, you know, far away from the ship. So I've kept my promise. So again, that's continuity. When they do get back out of the ship, because, you know, Picard eventually says, well, hey, yeah, if you want to have a debate and actually try and convince me of something, let's do it, you know, back in the ship. You know, let us hear it out and we'll we'll properly listen to it. So he just kind of snaps his fingers and they're, they're on the, the ship. They're in the, the bar area. And you know, we have Riker actually references the first time they met, which was episode one. Uh, You put his on trial for humanity, They reference when he tried to recruit Riker. So again, all this continuity has been referenced. It may not be super serialized like a modern TV show, but they are actually doing a lot of they're putting a lot of effort into remembering things and actually bringing things up again. Which,
1: let's be honest, is more than we can actually say for some, some modern TV shows. Look at you, Flash and Supergirl. (laughs)
0: Um Yeah, those are different beasts though, because they're actually trying to be serialized and still forgetting things, which is a oh, whole I know. Which is a oh. whole special classification in and of itself. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but so a bit of a, a bit of a plot twist here for me. I don't know if you were expecting this, but uh Guinan. So before before Picard even comes back to the ship, Gaynan's just kinda looking around, she's having a weird feeling. She's kind of... And and this is the first time as well I think we've ever just cut to her on her own. It's always been, you know, someone else is in the the, the bar area, they're having a drink, they're talking to her, getting advice, whatever. Yeah. And we cut to her, and she's just on her own, and she, you know, she sort of senses something. She's looking out, and she calls the bridge. And notably, even the writers put a line in here where Riker says, "Oh, I don't remember you ever calling the bridge before getting in. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good point. Like, she's never done that before. And she's like, is there anything weird in Riker looks over at the Wharf and he's like, "Man," And he's like, nah, readings are normal. And he's like, Why, what's up? And he's like, oh, just a feeling. Probably nothing. Um and it couldn't help it so so Gainan joined the cast as a recurring character uh this season. You know, that was a season two, episode one kind of onwards thing. It's not been every episode, but she's been kind of around, you know. She's popped in and out. Yeah, every two or three, more or less. And you know if they again if they had this planned that like she was going to have this backstory that we kind of discover here that she knows who q is you know q q uh, you know is there and gaining like sort of pops up i actually laughed a little bit but if i have any complaints about the episode is that Whoopi goldberg standing with her like her claw like formation waiting to attack that was kind of making me giggle a little bit yep. um but uh, yeah, yeah. Q references that he, he, you know, she dealt with them or he dealt with her hundreds of years ago. So gainan's old. gainan Ge- like who I assume is human.
1: Yeah, I think he says two hundred years ago at this yeah. point. But even
0: that still is okay. And I think e- even before we get to the mythology that we're adding with the bargain stuff, the idea that you know they mentioned multiple times in this episode the reason why Q is kind of given them these tests and wants to sort of talk to them and join the crew is that. You're kind of venturing beyond into new parts of the galaxy that the human race, the Federation as a whole, almost has never been in, and you're you're genuinely going to be discovering new things. But Gaians, Gaians people, where she comes from, they have been out here. They come from further out. Uh, so I think it's very interesting that we have the core Federation starting to go outwards and outwards, and we have you know the Enterprise doing that but there's actually other people who have already traveled further from the other direction who have already integrated uh, into the, the federation world into the starfleet world and mm, that's that, that kind of fascinating it's um,
1: it's funny because you say you know you had you didn't really know this was a a thing and i didn't think i did until i started watching you know you know the, the scene happened i was like i i knew this and i don't know how i knew this obviously i've just seen it at some point but mm. Once it started, I was like, yeah, I, I kind of just, it was in the back of my brain somewhere. It kind of just
0: triggered. Yeah, I never, I certainly, when, when he casually, first of all, her knowing who Q was was just like, wait, what? And then she casually mentioning, you know, 200 years ago, I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> all right, Gainan's got a bit more going on here than I was expecting.
1: It's, it was when he called her an imp. I feel like I've seen that before.
0: I don't know why or when, yeah. but... And- yeah, you know, so he calls her the Imp, but of course we think of him as a N because we're thinking of Mixapelic, which makes me think that her race is on some kind of similar level. I mean, she, 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 I mean, several times in the episode when they ask her about Q and the Q Collective, who, who we did hear about before, she says, "Oh, some of the Q Collective are actually, you know, bordering on decent, and they kick, they, they've, they've kicked Q out because he's a bit of a, well." a renegade a child whatever you want to call him <laughs> <A> te- <laughs> that, that
1: was that was rather polite
0: <laughs> <laughs> and yeah but you know Picard never kind of flinches when he finds out that she's been around this long so clearly he knew that she wasn't you know just human from Earth that, you know she, she you know. yeah he, he, he they've done at least to some extent who she is, even if they don't know about her past and the fact that she knows Q. Um, so this was interesting, especially since the last time she was here was you know mid late season one. You know that episode we try to get Riker. So it does make sense that this has not come up yet because Q has not appeared, and yeah. you know since that since season one and Gain has not only been here since the start of this season. So you know continuity. It all it's yeah. all it's all adding up. It's actually feeling a lot like comic book continuity where. You know, all your arcs are kind of on your own, and even in, in, in these days, it would have been single issues. But things were remembered, and things would be important later, whenever it, the writer wanted right to a pull on them. A lot
1: of the time, things don't really matter, and you know they just kind of oh, that was a cool story, but then every so often, ill call back to it and build on something yeah oh, okay this is better now
0: basically a writer you know down the line will say i want to use this episode that episode and that episode and use all those histories to inform this episode to make it better and then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden those feel more important and we have the sense of continuity where the world is kind of moving forward and thriving even if it's not
1: even if it wasn't the intention in the original episode the fact that it's done here makes them retroactively feel part of the story very organically
0: absolutely um and that's actually how a lot of tv is written i believe oh or yeah not. um oh, no. uh, t- tv is largely made up more or less as it goes along even some of the
1: highest profile serialized shows uh famously uh breaking bad in its final season there's the the, the flash forward stuff they didn't know how they were getting there they didn't know what they were doing so they, they put that in and went eh, we'll figure it out
0: yeah uh it's a method of writing TV, and some people are very good at it. I mean, I do obviously appreciate when they do have things plotted out. Look at Mr. Robot right now, which was clearly very planned from the start.
1: It's too meticulous not yeah. to
0: um, But there is a, there's a genius to both in doing both well. Um, yeah. Doing one over the other is not necessarily the better option, um, but uh, they can both have yeah. good results. We, so, we just mentioned two very well-regarded shows in, in both styles there. Absolutely. So so big, big, yeah, so big things here, big things. Yeah. Um, Immediately, big things, and you know there's kind of a smugness, you know, because because Q is basically saying, "Hey, like you're about to face things you've never faced. You need me. You need my help. Uh, hell, I'll even give up my powers. I'll I'll be as weak and feeble as you, but you need my help." And they're like, "No, nah, no, nah, we don't need your help." And Rikers, I mean, Q calls them smug and arrogant, and. I agree with Picard, they're actually just being very proper and not giving in to his weird demands and whatnot, but Riker does almost get a little smug. Like, he's got a smirk in his face when he says he doesn't need them. and it just it it does It
1: does feel rather Riker though, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. But Riker, I think, is just always a little bit smug. There's just a little bit of smugness in Riker.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there is. It's always there.
0: So, uh, so what does he do? He he slingshots them to a part of the galaxy they've not been in, uh, it was, I think it was like 7,000 light years or something like that, he said. Um, it was far. Yeah. And, okay, new part of space. Where are we? What are we doing? And Q kind of disappears. He kind of pops in here or there for the odd little one-off comment. But for the most part, he's gone until later. And very quickly, there's a there's a vessel up ahead. Uh, nuclear vessels, uh, to quote Chekhov. Um There's a vessel up ahead. Um, and I can't remember the exact sequence of events here because, you know, at one point, gaining goes into the... Uh, the room I think it's after the, yeah it's after they actually see the ship the cube the, the Borg cube oh. and uh, she actually knows what they're called she says they're the Borg and they have completely ravaged planets and taken you know everything as raw material including the people you know that's how the Borg work they take people and resources Um, and right away there's some interesting things here where like you know Data's doing his readings and his scans and it's like well there's not really life forms on board. There's also not really a bridge or not really any of these things. And I'm about to praise something here. There's something I'm about to... So, the Borg is a concept that I've always, you know, felt interested enough in, but, you know, this is the first time... And I, get, I did see First Contact a long time ago, but it's been a while. I don't really, you know, recall this much This is the first with context. Yeah. And one of the things I love, right, one of my favorite things of all time is the Terminator. And just recently, I talked at length about the Terminator movies because the new one was coming out, so we did all the reviews on the sci-fi movie podcast that we do called The the Ace, the Atomic Cinema Experiment. And Terminator 1 is my favourite of the two Terminator movies, and there's only two that matter. (laughs) That's the the important information. But, and the reason why it's my favourite of the two, even though Terminator 2 is fantastic, is because I would describe that movie as cyberpunk horror. And there's not a lot of cyberpunk horror in the world. And almost immediately this started to feel intimidating it started to feel like this is soulless and that there's no personality and what do i like about terminator i like the idea that it's soulless i like the idea that even skynet itself doesn't have a face or a voice doesn't care to have a face or a voice doesn't need one it, and it doesn't even have an opinion and the reason why i'm about to praise this is because one of the things that i absolutely tore terminator salvation apart for even though it's mildly better than the one before and the one after it is that It really bugged me how in that movie, which is set in the future when Skynet's in control and it's got its army of robots and everything else, is that all of its base still had, like, doors with keypads and it was still very much designed as if it had humans in mind and I'm like, why does this have this? This shouldn't look recognisable. It should feel like just a mass of, like, parts. And this Borg ship looks like that. It feels like that. And even once we go on board it, it still, even though there's still some walkways because they still have humanoids that are walking around, like... It's, it feels so unhuman.
1: Yeah, I get that. I've actually been reading uh, some sci-fi books recently, uh by uh, uh called uh, Tchaikovsky. And uh the, the, the first book in the series is called Children of Time. And just to get you know, really brief, uh humans try and seed a planet with life and you know they create a virus to speed up evolution, essentially. And they put some apes, they terraform the planet, they put some apes down there. And they plan to, you know, release the virus into the apes and speed them up. Shit goes wrong. We cut ahead a few millennia and the virus infected spiders instead. And the whole thing is these, even though they evolved on a human style evolutionary track like the virus was designed to, they're so different that you can't even comprehend some of the things that they're doing because they're spiders, right? Right. And and again, this this is kind of remind me of that in the sense that it's 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 hard to comprehend any sort of logic or
0: system to the way you know that the, the ball cube is set up uh, because yeah. it's so alien. I love just the mesh of metal and pipes and cables. It's so grungy and dark. I love the the nature because obviously, very quickly once this... Because the ships there, it kind of like does a a quick. Because they're like oh that's okay they are not raised any shields and they're not ready in weapons as far as we can tell um but quite quickly it gets kind of intimidating and then all of a sudden um, you know because gaining explains how dangerous they are and and so on they try to speak to it doesn't work uh, one just magically beams on board and I, I, the reason why I say magically is that because they're not supposed to be just be able to beam through the enterprise's shields you know they're not supposed yeah, to be able to just do that
1: magical even though you yeah. know it's okay they're just that advanced
0: yeah, yeah, so obviously beaming as in the show is, is a normal thing, but they shouldn't be able to just do it the way they do it here where they can just get back past all the defenses and just beam onto the engineering deck. And this yeah. Borg just appears there. And, it, you know, obviously it's humanoid, but, you know, you've got the, the dark kind of pipes and cables and things that are all around it and yada, yada, yada. And it starts, like, scanning things and Jory, like, calls down for security and gets Picard down there. Picard tries talking to it it doesn't ever talk back. It doesn't care to talk back. It has no reason to communicate. It doesn't care. It's just gonna do its thing. And eventually it's like okay, Worf, try and subdue this this you know invader. Um or actually first of all, you red shot security guy, you try and subdue the invader. He gets thrown across the room. Uh, if I if I have a minor nitpick uh, about the, the, the staging of this scene, it's that the director gets thrown in and where he lands means he should have actually went right through Picard and because <laughs> because where they were standing because they're kind of like in front of him when the camera cuts to that side it's a minor it's a minor thing i don't care yeah. but uh the scene's fantastic like I, I was so wrapped in everything at this point i didn't care like i was oh, this is great. yeah Yeah. Uh, because basically Worf, you know fires the, the phaser at it maybe on stun uh, and then picard sort of says like Worf, use anything you know any any means necessary which i assume means it's been set to kill like he's he's it all the way up And he fires it at him, and it does put the Borg drone down, he lands, and then within seconds, a second Borg drone just, like, you know, beams onto the ship, and starts continuing exactly what the previous one was doing, because he was was at the computer just sort of scanning and, you know, doohicking and whatnot, and... You know he just keeps continuing it's it what was interesting is that this one so wharf again tries to fire on the second drone and all of a sudden there's a shield that's kind of like always shielding wherever the blast is going to hit it's like it's learning it's like okay the last one got hit with this beam we're coming prepared and it's just so methodical and as soon as the thing's finished doing what it's doing he just phases away and then the one that was lying down phases away as well and so that's it it's like they were never here and mm-hmm. everyone's like that was creepy as shit like were, what the hell just happened they were probing her ship they were learning things um and it's at this point where they go to the ready room with uh, a and they're asking her questions she's explaining some stuff and how her home world was and she wasn't there personally but you know she's heard that her home world was completely taken by the borg and she's kind of a, a survivor of, her, of her, obviously there's a lot of them still around because they were all spread out through the galaxy but the you know the bulk population the home world is, is gone because of the borg and You know, like, as they're having this conversation and they're debating what to do and, like, you know, how to fight it, if anything, and, you know, I think, you know, Q probably jumps in here for a second. He definitely does later on because he does the thing where he disappears out of the chair and the chair's spinning after he disappears, which I liked. Because, of course. Nice little touch. He's a theatrical little bastard, isn't he? Oh, he absolutely is. And he's trying to convince Picard that he needs him. Um, You know, there's a... a, You know, there's a, a... A message comes in. You know, it's like, hey, something's coming through the comms and... We get this robotic voice just saying, "We have determined that your ship is not capable of fighting ours. Uh, do not try to resist or defend yourself." <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> Matter of fact, no, no interest. Again, why would it want to negotiate? Why would it want to gloat? Why would it want to do anything? It, like it, it, it's,
1: it's not got opinions and feelings. It's just fact.
0: It just is. Yeah, that's what's so beautiful it, it, about it. It, it.
1: It's not. It's not making a threat here. It's just a statement.
0: Yeah. Um and I love it I love it so much and you know Picard's like okay you know what so they can tell you they're ready room meeting a little bit and even though Guinan's against it Guinan's like no this is crazy you can't do this Picard's like no Riker getting away team ready and he takes Data and Worf they go over and when they arrive even though there's rows and rows of Borg which by the way I like the set by the way for the for, first of all mm, you felt good. you felt the scale Um, even though the clearly had like one bit of a walkway and the rest of it was you know
1: yeah but it still looked
0: good yeah Um. They just don't care and riker points out like well either they don't see us as a threat or they don't even notice because when they're not being used as actual drone like soldiers they're just plugged into the wall and their their collective mind is is running the ship it's like the, the entire collective is making all the decisions is it's not single minds, and you know even troy kind of points that out the first time it talks to them she's like hey there's, there's no individual minds to read it's all one it's just one entity um, which also is very efficient because a like there's no time to like debate anything it's just everything just makes its choice like the borg make their choice as it is It's um, kind of impressive
1: they don't have like a you know an intel you know, like even when you're making a decision as a human with a brain and you're thinking about doing something you go huh, should i do this I not? you know you have you know, a few seconds of, of Oh that, sure, in a debate, but that's so, the,
0: that's still a part here that's still right is that they are they're basically a machine, so they're they're just doing it in a pure cold logical way as opposed to just,
1: okay, just look at the, the numbers and go yeah. this is the outcome
0: yeah, because we, we have doubts, we have things to weigh up, and we have feelings, yeah. and the Borg have none of this uh, yeah, and they have a nursery, you know, we we have a nursery set, and there's like babies who as soon as they're born kind of creepy as shit yeah, get get their Borg eye thing on and they're <laughs> they're, they're assimilating. Now, I'm not eh? going
1: because they're like oh you know they're born organic and then you know I, you know added onto and I'm like are they born or are they stolen
0: like
1: I, I you know like do, you know are they stolen from elsewhere? Um, or else are they born still elsewhere, but you know what I mean.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we have enough information yet.
1: I, I would guess stolen, but um... yeah, I just because I know Riker says you know, you know they're born like this, and in the implication, felt like they were born here on the Borg ship and.
0: I feel I feel uh, like he I mean even if he is assuming that he he is just assuming cuz how could he is, possibly yeah. know that at this point but yeah No no it
1: just it just made me wonder and I'm like oh, I, okay. I
0: think the point is is that just that anyone who has a borg was born organic Yeah and is assimilated. Uh, it's just that some of them are babies uh, that they're taking I guess but maybe, maybe cool, I mean hell maybe it's next season we'll see there's like a weird like demonic nursery where they're actually keeping you know women be prisoner a very and...
1: interesting with well, this asexual reproduction system in, in a way you know that it it can create a biological life to then assimilate into itself
0: yeah i'm going to i'm going to guess they can't create life and as all the babies are stolen that'd be my guess unless i'm told that otherwise. was my
1: assumption because that's why they expand right that's why they're looking for more but i, I don't know i wasn't certain enough
0: yeah Uh, big cube looks great everything about the set design the mood the music even in this episode i feel like it was a bit more sinister sounding than it usually has been Mm, yeah it it felt like all those cheery lighthearted episodes of star trek it's like oh yeah that's not even the same show at this point like what what, this is it
1: does feel completely different
0: yeah this this feels intimidating um and you know eventually picard's like okay everyone get back now immediately because he even says to o'brien like if if at any point the, the signals of our away team start to waver you beam them back immediately you don't hit he- you don't hesitate just bring them back
1: yeah it's the point where they're like the ship's just repairing itself where they they're like right bring them back now
0: yeah uh, yeah because they, they zoom in and we can see like, the 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 metal bars sort of reform and yeah uh do whatever else and um it's actually uh somewhere in the middle here um when the, the Borg ship kind of attacks them and kind of like slices out like a a cylinder of the ship like it sort of slices in and like cuts it out almost like if you had a cookie cutter and like pulled out yeah. the, the part that you cut um and it's like part of, and, it, and as it was coming out I was thinking is that like different decks of the ship those like sort of levels I'm seeing in it because it's coming it comes out the saucer section and then you know Picard says oh like you know how many casualties borf and he's like, well, there was 18 people in that section of the ship, and now they're missing. So, 18 people got killed. Like, 18 people on the, the ship got killed. So, yep. there there is weight, like, to, to not not just to the Borg as a threat, because I kind of bought them anyway, but there's weight to Q's tests where, you because know, Picard, the second time they have the meeting and he shows up for a little bit, uh, you know, like, you know, Riker's like mad at him. He's like, oh, people, you know, are part of our crew are dead, and you, you've you done this by bringing us here. Um, and Picard says, hey, Q if this is an illusion, if this is one of your games, you know, tell us now, because, like, you know, we're, we're mourning... It's not
1: funny anymore.
0: Yeah, we're mourning 18 dead, and is it no, this is real. Um, And from Q's perspective, you get the, the genuine feel. as much as he's very playful, that he sees this as necessary. You need to know he's, how serious this he's is. He's
1: making a point.
0: Yeah. Know. Um, And so they try to run at the end. There's, like, max warp speed, that's just run, and no matter what, the, the Borg ship is catching up to them. It's... kind uh, of terrified
1: just watching this cube
0: get Coming closer up. yeah just a cube just the inan- inanimate object kind of idea but um... it's it's
1: just like you say you know it's the way it's it's not no design philosophy uh, as you know a ship has this uh, it has an aesthetic design for whatever reason even though you know it, it doesn't necessarily you know once you once you're in orbit you don't need to be aerodynamic because there's no resistance anymore obviously yeah uh... But but they still kind of look sleek in in that way cause, because we have a sense of style, whereas this is just no, just it, it all it all just grows outwards. It it could have just been a circle.
0: Yeah, it could have been a sphere even. Yeah, but it's a square. I guess it's because when you're dealing in ones and zeros, a square is, seems more fitting than a sphere, right? Because it just sure. it has hard edges. It has a simple defined you know three dimensions as opposed to uh i'm sure the board can calculate exactly how they make a sphere if they want to but like you know. i
1: I doubt it would even be that hard yeah Um, but
0: yeah efficiency you know it's efficient yeah just yeah
1: i get by a cube but but it's again it just adds to that just how alien this is and you know because we've seen a lot of alien species in, in star trek and they've a lot of them have these little quirks that oh yeah this is different but the commonality is is mostly there whereas this is just so different
0: i mean i'm mean, I not supposed to be kind of like come from the same sort of like ancestry but like the romulans and the vulcans you know they're basically the same thing <laughs> like yeah there's of visuals uh so you know it's it's interesting um so they have a big chase and essentially they get out of it because Q starts popping up in the bridge and Picard says, okay, this was all to make me admit that I need you. So I'm admitting that I need you. Get us out of here. So they only survive. They only, I mean, I mean tell you the other they're in the first place is because of Q, but they only survive because Q, you know, uses his powers to snap them back to where they were to begin with. And when Picard goes to see gaining later in the episode, you know, at the end, it ends in this really somber note. You know, she points out that now that they know you exist, they know that there's civilization out this way, and they know that you're, you know, represent a whole, you know, world of people. Um, they're going to be coming. Yeah. Like you know, now, they've got a scent, essentially. You know, to compare it to a dog, they've got a scent. Um, and you know, I felt, I felt this, because I think what's great about this episode is that the entire thing, worse on its own as an introduction to the Borg, they seem very interesting. I, I actually love the. The budget for it, if that makes sense, because I think that if you're almost too sleek with the Borg, it will look almost too hokey. I think there's something special about just how grungy it feels because it, it can only have so much money spent on it.
1: It kind of it, it gives this feel of scavenged, right? It's, yeah, the Borg just used whatever they had at hand.
0: I I think um if you if you if we get too sleek and too professional looking, it almost takes away from their their image. It's, it's kind, of kind of like different. how um. Like you know, part of what makes Texas Chainsaw Massacre such an effective little shitty movie is because it looks so rough and it feels so grimy. Um, it adds to the whole thing, and I think that's kind of what I mean with the budget here with the Borg. Um, you know, and but but budget. I mean, obviously, I'm sure at the time this was a high budget for a TV show, but that 80s TV budget is not nothing compared to you know <laughs> I
1: mean, today's TV budget. <laughs> today's TV part. budget,
0: the uh, then's movie budget, you know, whatever, what yeah. you want to compare it to. Uh, so. No, I really like that. But what I like about the whole episode as a whole is that not only is it a great introduction to the Borg, it knows that it's just an introduction. It, this is clearly setting up for the future. This is not the end of the Borg. This, this wasn't like we have a one and done story where we meet the Borg, there's a crisis, and we solve the crisis. This is no. This is to scare the shit out of you to know that the Borg are coming back.
1: Yeah, I think that's the difference between like you know going back to the, the original series where you had you know Klingons for the most part, Romulans. I mean, even Khan. It was like. Hey, they're just stories, and then we happen to revisit them later. Whereas this is intentionally, this is the start of something, and and it's the start of something as a long game as well. Because you know, even at the end of here, they're like they're not going to be honest straight away. It's going to yeah. take time, but they are coming.
0: Yeah, because uh, you know, at one point when they first arrive in the new area, the new sector, uh, Picard says, you know, how how far away are we? And I think Data says, oh, at Max Warp it will take us two years and six months to you know, get to the nearest star base. So not even back to where they were, back to the nearest, you know, outpost of civilization that they have, yeah. you know, established. I
1: don't know we, we can clearly tell, see that the, the boat can travel faster than them because sure, they yeah. were catching. But that's still going to take them some sort of time.
0: Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure the most well-known 2 part of the entire show is the end of season three and at the start of season four. So yeah. at the very least, we're getting at the end of season three. But I mean,
1: <laughs> let, let's assume hypothetically, let's assume we're, we're, we're traveling in roughly real time, right? Mm-hmm. That's a little over a year from where, where yeah. we are now, which, that's just un- again, that's just, they're traveling faster.
0: That's just under half of what it would take have taken them.
1: Yeah, so yeah. it kind of stands to reason. Yeah, that does.
0: Uh, you know, again, barring the difference of what the, the, the edge of the... But then, then again, we did hear throughout this episode that they are about to venture into unexplored areas, so... Maybe they actually were quite close to the star base, you know. So, maybe yeah. that makes some sense. Um, yeah, I love this episode. I, I like that. that's I, I, I always assumed I'd like the Borg. It feel, like, you know, all oh, this dark science fiction, which, by the way, is a very different science fiction to what Trek has typically done up until this point. You know, I think yeah. whatever Trek, I mean, Trek's dabbled here a little bit in like horror, but not like. T- yeah, we had like big the odd, like
1: empty ship.
0: Yeah, it's had a bit of creepiness to it or whatever. But this is immediately this this idea of this uh, again uh, this techno horror, the cyberpunk horror, the that... G-
1: galactic boogeyman.
0: Yeah, um, and it really it really worked for me. Um, this this has me excited for future Borg stuff.
1: I kind of like as well that we're not all doing. dunno, I'm sure there's something at some point, but it's not all immediately. This is our fault coming back to haunt us. Oh sure, yeah it's like no 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 there's just something out there that is technologically like this and it's coming for us now yeah as opposed to you know we talked about Terminator earlier with skynet where it was kind of like self-inflicted
0: <laughs> to a point yeah <laughs> yeah yeah to a point um yeah this is just out there unless it turns out this is v'ger again uh, that's uh evolved a bit <laughs>
1: yeah for some reason, in my head, there's something in one of the other shows that does kind of go. Well, you know, we might have had something to do with it, but I don't. But I don't know if I'm just imagining that.
0: Hey, we've got plenty of time to get possible. No, we'll no one that. spoiled. No, no one spoiled the Borg backstory. We'll we'll discover that throughout the show. Yeah. Um. So, uh, I am looking forward to it, though, though. this sold me extremely well in the Borg. Uh, the just just how unhuman. And automated the whole thing. Feels and uh, cold, you know. It's just that.
1: the 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 raw rationale of, oh hey, here's all the scavenged bits that are just there, and they're not in any neat system order. They're just thrown on as uh, they fit there. That so that's where they go. Yeah, kind of kind of works so well.
0: So yeah, uh, I can't say enough of these things. Um, it's not surprising. This is one of the longest d- discussions we've had, uh, so far. Yeah. I-, I think Measure of a Man was equally about this length, and you know, I think it's Star Trek's at its best when it's making his it uh, you know, obviously we're talking a lot about design here. We're talking a lot about possibilities, but when we're talking about possibilities, we're talking about ideas, and we're talking about what things can mean in the context of future stories. Um, Star Trek is at its best when it's posing a lot of questions and introducing a lot of ideas, and. Yeah it makes a lot of sense that you know an episode like this does better than say Riker's dad's got some hockey samurai gear on and they're going to fight like gladiators. Uh <laughs> That was
1: fun though. <laughs> in a very uh, different way. Yeah, aye, in a so bad
0: it's good way. <laughs>
1: yeah, Not exactly. And I kinda I kinda yeah. love that.
0: This is actually good good though.
1: <laughs> it, it is. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I'll always take good good over so bad it's good. Although I won't, obviously...
1: always. I won't say always, because sometimes I'm in the mood for so bad it's good good. Okay,
0: sure, sure. But like, you know yeah. good, good is far more uh enticing. So it is. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see uh we'll see what uh what happens. Uh but no, i I I think we have peak for the season. Uh although we don't actually have as much left of the season because this season's a little bit shorter because of a writer's strike that took place in 1988 and the reason why i know that even before looking up like anything is because i know that from the halloween four writers commentary of all the things i know um i remember the writer in the commentary saying he had to finish the script by a certain date because the writer's strike was coming in so he had to quickly finish it off so that it was done and they could go shoot <laughs> that's uh, about right. Yeah, it's just a bit right, doesn't it? Uh, so I'll tell you what's coming next time. Uh, so we only have twenty-two episodes this season. Uh, this was episode sixteen, so uh, we have six left. So episode seventeen is called "The Samaritan Snare." Uh, with Picard away for routine surgery, oh dear, uh, the Enterprise responds to an apparent distress call from pa- a pack-led vessel.
1: I think the biggest thing this episode needs to answer is if it was so routine, why couldn't Pulaski just do it? Is she that bad at her job?
0: She's on vacation. She wasn't in this episode either. No, she wasn't. On vacation. <laughs> she had some short leave. Well, she's, she's getting just... replaced again at the start of season 3, so maybe, maybe I mean I don't maybe know. She is that bad at her job. Is, is she... Is she... Oh, she's in the next one, yeah. Uh, but I, I think Mama Crusher is back uh season 3. It's just what we all need. I like her well enough. She's better than Wesley.
1: I mean, I, yeah. I, do you know what? I think I like her less because
0: she's connected to Wesley. I, I like her more than Pulaski, I think. No,
1: I do. She I, has more I, chemistry I like... with everyone. No, I agree with all of these things. I think though, in my head, I just have a just an extra dislike of her because every time I see her or, or she's mentioned, she's automatically reminding me that Wesley exists.
0: Well, don't worry. I don't think Wesley's around that much longer. Yeah, but I still know he exists. Alright. Uh that is uh that has been Q Cue Q Uh <laughs> <laughs> uh, episode 16 Star Trek The Next Generation let us know what you thought of the episode in comments below like and subscribe ding the bell on YouTube make sure you get the notifications if you want to support us and everything we do and keep all the content coming you can do that by rating the podcast on Apple Podcasts give us 5 stars helps more people find us you can do it financially over in patreon.com slash TV, where you can support us for as little as $1 per month and get uh, bonus episodes of some of our movie podcasts and outtakes and things like that. Uh, you also, of course, at the $5 tier, get early access to a bunch of stuff, including these Star Trek reviews. So go and have a look and see if you're interested. Uh, otherwise, uh, check out other content we have. Um, if you like classic TV show discussions, me and Tara are reviewing Twilight Zone. Uh, we're by the time I think we're it's hard because we're a little bit ahead in recordings but we're, we've started recording season 2 I don't know if, we're if we'll be on season 2 when this goes up but yet. it's coming soon yeah but we've started recording season 2 so uh, so yeah go we'll check out that uh, we've also been reviewing Firefly which is not as old admittedly but uh. Uh, we're almost done with that, so go and have a look at that too. Uh, but that is us. So thank you once again for watching and listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching Star Trek, guys. And to everyone but Connor, live long and prosper.